G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 10 Preview Edition. We're up to double digits now, getting close to the halfway mark of the season, hasn't it? Gone by in a jiffy. Um, we are, as ever, proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Get tackle-busting benefits all this season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to... Gamble responsibly. Uh, fair bit to talk about because uh, there's a bit going on news-wise um, as well as our usual extensive previews. As uh, I say, big hello to my co-host, Robert Shaw. How are you going, Shorey? G'day, Rowan. How are you? Um, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, all good. Um, good day at school today, uh, School yesterday. I got today off, so all good. Uh, I, I thought, was that a leading question? Because I think you know how I am and there's one word for it and that's angry. Um, well, I guess I guess you've been down to the, um, I bet you've been down to the local news agents and picked up your two copies of the paper. <laughs> that's the only thing I could think of. Mate, that, that's very 1980s. No, I've been online. Uh, the phone's been running hot. Um, a lot to talk about news-wise concerning our club and uh, a little... Warning here, we do say we don't want to make this the Essendon show, but I'm afraid Essendon is very much the story. So uh, let's not muck around, Shuri. Let's, uh, before we preview the games, get into some news, uh, some other stuff to talk about, but uh, one club dominating news discussion. Let's talk about it. On Footyology News Feed. Well, Rob, we're going to be talking about Essendon anyway, given the uh, insipid performance last Saturday night, uh, the response to that, Dyson Heppel's interview, uh, pressure building on the powers that be. Uh, we've all been a bit blindsided at uh, what's happened. The news coming through on Tuesday night, uh, Mitch Cleary on Channel 7 had this story that Chief Executive Xavier Campbell, whose contract was set to expire at the end of this year, has been extended for two years and uh, that is being announced, uh, I wouldn't say with great fanfare, but Essendon has announced this now. Um, their reaction, it's fair to say, has been swift and um, angry um, and I cannot... Oh, look, I'll, I'll have a quick go here before I get your reaction. I think um, there's been a lot of stuff that Essendon's done in the last 20 years that's disappointed me, but this, as much as anything, I think this is a disgraceful thing to do. I think this is one of the most arrogant things I've ever seen from a football club at a time when people are rightly concerned about the club's future, not just its on-field performance, but the direction of the club, the continued failure of those at the top to turn things around the hunt for scapegoats and the shoring up of their own positions to turn around in the face of this and blithely say we're extending uh, Campbell's contract for two years, to me, is a calculated 
slap in the face to everyone who is worried about their club. It is basically saying to the Essendon family, supporters, you name it, and don't worry about it. People on the inside are just as angry about this. It is basically saying, we know best, shut up, and we'll do what as we please. And if the if if the most staggering thing, Rob, for me is if they think this is going to take the heat out of what's going on, it's going to have exactly the opposite effect. I think this will inspire a challenge to the board and the administration because of the sheer arrogance and tone deafness of making this announcement. Now, I am absolutely dumbfounded. What is your reaction? Um, well, there's strong words and the philosophy. I cannot um, do anything other than support your philosophy. Um, I have uh, worked very, very, um, I had a part, part, part-time job in recruiting till I was um, moved on due to the COVID cuts in staff, which um, I put my hand up and I was more than happy to do that. So I've only had fleeting moments with Xavier Campbell and I will put it on the record that in his time, um, I've been um, offered my services in a number of roles with the club, from head of management to opposition analysis and also to uh, the love of my sporting life, and which is my great strength, the development of uh, young emerging footballers. Um, I'm not going to criticise the decision, but I will just say um, they didn't ask me back for a second interview. And to this day, when your motives are, are not about self-interest, it's purely on the basis of wanting to help your football club, um, that upset me. It doesn't anymore because I've moved on. My opinion is that the core business of the Essendon Football Club, headed by the chief executive, is football. And in the last nine years of his reign as CEO, uh, Essendon have bottomed out to be the worst performed um, a, a Melbourne-based side in the last, well, going right back, even before Xavier's time. Um, I thought there should have been a external review, independent external review on key key members of the executive on in football, in HR, at board level, at president level, because there's there's a club that's done that just down the road. They did an external review. And the result of that was Brian Cook and Nick Austin into list management and the CEO. Now, this is not personal from me. This is what I would consider good business. Our core business is football. But we have become the Essendon Football Bank or the Essendon Football Commercial Entity. And we have prided ourselves based on the fact that our members our great members never, never dropped off and put their hands deeper and deeper and deeper into their pockets. What was the result of that? A board set up 
that didn't allow the common person and the likes of Paul Cousins and Katie Leo getting tipped aside for premiership heroes in Kevin Sheedy and Sean Wellman. And the members are disappointed that they can't have a voice and they deserve a voice. And they've put Campbell in this position and they've paid his, paid his, paid his money. And he hasn't delivered in the key areas of staff appointments. And I'm sounding like I'm disgruntled now. I couldn't give a stuff, Rowan. I've had my time at Essendon. I moved on and I'm loving my life. I'm just disappointed, shattered, that as a 40-year life member, my club is now in the position it is because of decision-making and because of hierarchy, because of board level and because of executive incompetence in football decision-making. I hear here. Very, very, very well articulated, Rob, and um, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And, um, I mean, that, that's something you could have said before this news. Uh, I, I've been saying this on, twi on Twitter, and, and my, my greatest saying, Rowan, and I found it, it's not mine, when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the environment in which it grows, not the flower. I'm a big supporter of football people. I'd love to support Ben Rutten. And that's what I put my hand up to do. I want to go and help a first-time coach. Choco Williams did it. Didn't get his phone call returned. What, 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 what's wrong with us? Well, Dean what, Solomon, I think, is another one who... Dean, who... Dean Solomon wanted a hearing. Yeah. So always good, passionate, much-loved Essendon people. Uh, out of their love of the club, have put their time and energies forward. You know, that review, and, and we both had something to do with it, it, was an absolute sham, and it was always going to be because it was I didn't have anything to do it. I, I never got asked by Paul Brett. I wasn't one of the 70 that he personally interviewed. Well, that, that in shows you what it thinks of me. Well, let's, let's just concentrate here on the extension of this contract, though, because... Again, I, I, I just cannot believe if they think this is a strategically a smart thing to do, they're pretty dumb because, uh, you know, the immediate reaction has been savage and as it should be, because even if you are convinced that this is the right way to go, you do not do that now. You know, the, he and Paul Brasher needed to come out some stage this week and, and make some sort of appearance, or some sort of comment about where the club is headed. They didn't do that. They let the players take the fall again. And then they turn around and say this. And it, it is the biggest FU I can ever remember this club handing out to its own support base. And I'm telling you. Like, to its loyal, long-suffering, loyal, money, hand-in-the-pocket supporter base. Okay. And, and the, you know, look, people are angry. Feelings might change. But... A lot of the reaction I'm seeing in the immediate aftermath is people saying, right, we're now at the stage we've got to boycott their games. We've got to not buy memberships. We've got to not support this club. And I'll tell you this, you know, I've been waiting for some sort of challenge to materialise. And, and um, you know, I'm told that a few people were, were getting close, but things have happened which have sort of prevented that from coming to pass. But this, I think, will be the tipping point because you cannot... You cannot sit by 
see what's happened, see them then turn around and just say, okay, shut up, we'll do what we please and you'll just cop it and not act. I mean, it is a red rag to a bull and um, I'll, I'll say it, this is a disgrace. Uh, you know, I've, I've never been more angry at and upset at the club I've, I've loved and uh, supported for 50 years. I, I, it's just, uh, I'm not it's angry. It's mind-boggling. I'm, 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 I'm confused. I'm disappointed. I wanted everything to be brought out in the open. I wanted to hear from Paul Brasher and Xavier Campbell in our time of need. I didn't want my captain pushed out into the two biggest interviews of the week and put under a pressure um, immediately following two disappointing losses. Um, um, and he's had to front the club. Well, he's, he's <clears throat> the captain, but anyway. What, what will play out from here? Well, um, we wait and see, but I'm, I'm hearing some interesting stuff. And uh, one of the things I'm hearing in the immediate aftermath of this announcement is that the pressure now will go onto Adrian Dodoro. Now, I've been critical about the fact he's occupied those positions so long, but I, I want to say this, that if the next move after reappointing Campbell for two years is to turn around and sack Dodoro, that is equally disgraceful because he is not the whole problem. Uh, he might be symptomatic of the problems, but the problems are at the very top. And let's not let the board escape here without censure. I mean, they have been a weak, uh, complicit board who has allowed the CEO to ride roughshod over them. Uh, they've allowed the... For a decade, for a decade. And, and allowed the process the democratic nature of that club to be eroded by a series of sneaky constitutional shifts which have meant that uh far more directors now are board appointed than elected they then install kevin sheedy to an elected position to shore up their own spots and and everything that that administration has done and the board smacks of self-interest or mm. laziness or tone deafness or sheer arrogance now, what I thought was the likely thing to happen here is that Xavier would say, okay, I'm going at the end of the year, have his little farewell and be parachuted into some other corporate or AFL job. I wonder um, if those prospects have eroded and, and now, you know, it's more uh, urgent that he shore up his future at Essendon. Either way, I, I think the announcement of this now is just an absolute disgrace and I'm, I'm dumbfounded by it. Uh, I'm filthy on my club. I think most Essendon supporters feel the same way. And uh, I just cannot believe that anyone there thought in any way, logistically or from a public relations perspective, this was a good move. Did they seriously think? Or gonna... can I just say one word? Yeah. Or from a performance Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, what? he hasn't justified his extension. But if they think, oh, yeah, we'll announce this and everyone will go, oh, okay, we're right. That just proves how completely tone deaf they are to the mood of the fan base around the club because people yeah. are on to them. People are on to them, Rob. You know, for now, and in the aftermath of that Sydney game, the discussion turned finally from just being about the list and the players and the coach to the bigger issue because things are happening that really expose the cultural weakness and softness of this club. And there are various reasons for that. But this is another sort of decision which just underlines it to me. This is a weak club. 
It's an arrogant club. It has no justification for that arrogance because it's been poor for 20 odd years. Anything you'd like to add? No, I've added my bit. <laughs> well, I, um, you know, I, 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 um, I want to stress, um, uh, and I'm not speaking for you, you will do for yourself. I don't believe this is personal. This is purely business, the business of a club that we run, the incompetent decision-making, the softness, the shoring up of positions, and there has never been a better club at um, backing self-interest than the Essendon Football Club. It has been, it has been built around every possible football decision about as you said shoring up your own position out of self-interest i can't find decisions and and i'm not having a go at individuals i can't find decisions that's a great decision for the Essendon football club mm. it's always a great decision for him or a great decision for the board mm. or the great decision for the person coming on um this to me is about performance lack of performance um, and a continue erosion of culture and history. And also let's not forget um, the performance of the football club over the last two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. We haven't got close, close Rowan to getting into the second week of the finals. It is justifiable, not yep. personal. It is justifiable to have a look what's out there based and, on football performance. Well, like I said, the, the the machinations politically have made it very hard for this administration to be tipped out, even a board challenge to be mounted. It will take a lot of time and energy and effort by people with far more gravitas and resources than me. But And, and me. But we both know plenty of people, Rob, who... A big, you know, uh, uh, big parts of that club. Some still involved with that club, and they are absolutely filthy. And you know, all I can say is to those people, if they're listening, give me a call. You know, like give us a call because you know those of us that love the club, care for it, and want to actually do something about turning it around on the field, not just pat ourselves on the back about membership or revenue or fan initiatives or cheap merchandise, you know, stuff that, stuff this club being a corporation. It's time it went back to being a successful, hungry, passionate football club. I don't see that at the top. It's time for change. That needs to happen, and it needs to happen urgently. So please, people, if you are considering getting involved, do it now because it's just, it's making me, it's making me sick. All right, <laughs> we got through that. Um, no, we we got through that. Uh, watch this space. I think is the uh, is the, the the finish off message here. Yeah, but plenty else going on in the footy world. And uh, look, since we last did our uh, midweek episode in which we talk about news, uh, obviously Leon Cameron departed as GWS coach. Um, that's a potential ongoing big story as well, Rob. Uh, not only Leon's future, but um, the uh, who, who GWS will appoint to replace him. Plenty of names being thrown around there, including another former Essendon great and James Hurd. But Alistair Clarkson is suddenly this huge sort of domino in the uh, the coaching world, isn't he? Because um, 
I think a lot of people waiting to see what he'll do. And uh, he's certainly not being discounted as a contender for the GWS job. I do suspect the AFL would prefer that he take on Gold Coast, but then Stuart Dew is uh, doing a pretty good job with them at the moment. So that might cause a few ructions as well. Um, they might prefer he takes on Tasmania. Well, a little bit down the track, but uh, I, I don't know if he Maybe wanna... not. Maybe well, not. Okay, maybe not. Well, anything's possible, isn't it? Um, I just Mate, wanna... It's going to be a Nathan Buckley, uh, the, the the Clarks, and um, who else has stepped aside? Herd's a wild card. And then, of course, you've got the um, the McVeighs and the Kingsleys and the and, and not the Resort. That's um, people that have gone back like Vossi and, and reinvented themselves. Mm. Um, so uh, there's a great scope there for um, selecting a coach. And, of course, with the GWS, you would think that the AFL would want a, a say in it. Probably not as much as a say as they want in the future of the Gold Coast, even though Stuart Jew's going very nicely at the moment. But certainly they would want to say in the selection of their coach in the western suburbs of uh, Melbourne. I, I think you can back it in. It'll be a bigger name and an experienced name. And that's no disrespect to the, you know, people like Adam Kingsley you mentioned. But, you know, there are peculiar circumstances around GWS. It's in non-football territory, traditionally non-football territory. They have had a list that has been systematically raided year after year after year by other clubs to the extent where they've never really been able to settle down a list and build a whole team that will challenge for years and years off the back of a core of star players because they're forever being pinched by other clubs. So they need an ambassador. They need a strong personality who will inspire players to want to stay around for longer. They'll need a culture builder. Um, all those things. It, it, it is a, a, a different sort of coaching position, and that's why I think someone like Clarkson's very – and I think that challenge would appeal to him as well. As different to a culture counsellor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, well – Righto. Keep we'll going. Talk, talk about that another week. Um, what, what do you think I of I thought the, we just had at uh, the top of the show. What uh, – yeah, I mean, well, that can be part two. What do you think of the job Leon Cameron did? Because I think he's marked pretty harshly. And I he's think... marked harshly. Um, uh, see, um, what, a grand final, a couple of prelims. Yeah. Uh, what, nine years in the job? Yeah. A, a bit of a roller coaster, but I, I, I'm giving him a good tick for his Shock coaching performance. Shocking run of injuries he's had to do. There was that year he had a shock. Oh, it was more than one was, year. Was it, was it last year or the year oh, before? Several years in a row. They've had a, a shocking run of and, injuries. And, of course, you know, um, they do get raided, don't they? Yeah, they do. So he's never had uh, the luxury of not, – not many people have got settled sides, but he's never had a set – oh, let's call it he's never had a settled list, has he? No. He can develop. He can move young kids up. He loses like a Cornwall – he loses top-end talent like Shield. Uh, they come to Essendon. And and it's right through every club. Every club's had a little bit of a, di- a, a nibble, haven't they, Ron? They have. And, um, you know, I, I think he's also had to, as a consequence of losing some of those star players and depth, 
you know, he's had to sort of remake that side. And, and you know, the, the analogy I always use is, you know, everyone talked about it being a Ferrari. Well, their list became a Commodore. And I think, um, you know, Leon was able to instill uh, a fair bit of resilience last year, at least, into that list. And that was a pretty good comeback from the nightmare that was 2020. So um, I, I think he'll get another gig at Leon. You know, he's a lovely guy. Um, that's neither here nor there in the coaching world, but he, he is a lovely guy. Um, and I, I think his performance overall has been enough to warrant further opportunities. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that uh, he gets them. All good. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that's uh, probably enough news well, for now. Um, I think it's more than enough, <laughs> Rowan. Let's, uh, let's preview some games. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round 10 kicks off with... The match of the round. This is a cracking game, or should be a cracking game. It is at Marvel Stadium, 7.50 p.m., and it is between Carlton and Sydney. Sydney back on track last week after a couple of surprise losses at home. Carlton going great guns at the moment. Palmer Bet, what do they say about this one? Well, you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to Palmer Bet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And the odds head-to-head for this one, Rob, are tight. Uh, the Swans, a marginal favourite. You can get $1.85 on the Swans head-to-head through Palmerbet. Carlton paying $1.95. Uh, Sydney won the clash between these two sides last year at the SCG. The Blues won the two before that against the Swans narrowly. Um, how are these sides going at Marvel Stadium? Now, Sydney's record there in recent times is pretty it's it's handy but it's not as good as it was they're five five in their last 10 games at met at uh, marvel stadium played there once early this year against the bulldogs a high standard game which they lost by 11 points carlton historically they've been pretty ordinary at docklands but they have come good in fact they've won their last three games there all this season they are three from three at marvel this year those were wins against gws Adelaide and North Melbourne. Um, injury news, well, the Blues have lost Zach Williams for three months. Uh, Lockie Young uh, should return this week from the health and safety protocols. Jack Martin, an outside chance to return this week. Sydney's injury list is very short, uh, which is good for them. Harry Cunningham uh, won't be back for a little while. He's got an abdominal injury. But uh, everyone else, with the exception of Sam Naismith, who's out for the season after doing an ACL, is right to go. Um, going to be a great game, this one. I'm really looking forward to it. How do you see Well, say? and, you know, the one we'll talk about after that, I know I'm jumping the gun, Geelong Port. There, there are some um, very, very good games. Uh, this is a cracker. I can't pick it. I'm going to have to guess. Um Let's start in the centre square. Young De Koning, who's been encouraging, but he comes up against a very much informed Laddams and Hickey, who we saw last week. They were outstanding. Um, the Blues, I thought they were so impressive um, against the GWS. They won all the stats. They look mature. They're going to miss William. They keep getting this back line eroded. When will it come and bite them on the backside? McGovern. Obviously, Jones at the start of the year. They've had real trouble with fullback. They got Young settled down. I think he comes back into the side. Ploughman and Marchbank um, are around the mark now. They 
Plowman came in last week and uh, really helped them out. But I'm I'm just worried about um, the depth of the back line. William Sard and Doc, Doherty as a combination mm. have been outstanding and yeah. one of the, you know, um, great rebound. They played young Kemp last week. Uh, you know, they're really bolstering their defence at the moment and they come up with a pretty sharp forward line. Heaney and Parker going down there. I thought Franklin was uh, best on the ground last week. So that that um, that match-up with Wietering will have a significant say in the game, Rowan. Yeah, I, look, I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see what sort of game this turns into because I think Sydney in those couple of defeats sort of lost their a game a bit, which has always historically been that contested physical pressure game. I think they went away from that a little bit too much. And I felt like last week against Essendon, now admittedly they're playing witches hats, but um, I think they got it back. And what I liked about them last week was there was a good balance between the, you know, the toughness and hardness at the contest, but that outside run as well, because they are a really good running side. You have a look at their best, yeah, uh, Chad Warner, he, he's really hit top form. He's he's an important player for them. Errol Golden, pretty impressive. As you said, Buddy, super impressive. Kicked two four, but it you know probably should have been five or six goals. Callum Mills, midfield. Papley, really um uh, ominous performance from him. Staying the game to his stride. Everything you said is true, but I, I can counter you on the chessboard with Durden, Fisher. Yeah. Um you know the matchups in the middle. Will Will George Hewitt go to Mills, uh, the former teammate? I, I just think it's so even with a balance of experienced players, and and these young, exciting blokes on both sides. Um, Savani was terrific last week. He just played a really good role, which allowed Kerno. Kerno usually plays true centre half forward run with Mackay, and Kerno had to go deeper. So they needed someone to play that hit-up, mo- mobile centre forward. I thought Silvani was outstanding in that role and allowed them to be dangerous. They, you know, they they did a really good job. I'm very impressed with them. But um, oh, I keep going. Give us your chance. No, no. Well, I was going to handball to you so I could have a think about it. <laughs> um, no, Marvel Stadium in Melbourne, Sydney Carlton. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll stick with the Blues. I'll stick with them just by three points. All I right. have no, no, I usually back myself in the tips one way or the other. I've got no idea. Um, home ground, home side, worried about their back line. I think they'll get it done, the Blues. I think it's going to be close, uh, whoever wins. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going the other way. I'm leaning towards Sydney. I think uh, they're sort of back on track with last week's win. I think they do play well at Docklands. Um, I think it'll be a great game. I'm going for Sydney to win it by two points. All right, big Friday night game. Uh, let's talk about Saturday. Saturday afternoon, 1.45pm, GMHBA Stadium, a.k.a. The Cattery uh, sees Geelong taking on Port Adelaide. Uh, Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. 
they have the cats, uh, thanks to that home ground advantage. Pretty warm favourites, uh, $1.34 Geelong playing head-to-head. Uh, the most recent odds we're talking here. It may change prior to the start of the game. Port Adelaide, $3.29. Uh, Port and Geelong, well, they've played a couple of finals, qualifying finals each of the last two seasons. Port's won both of them. They are 3-2 against Geelong across the last five meetings. Uh, like most clubs, they don't tend to go too well down at the Cattery. Their record there is two wins, 12 losses. Their last win down there was in 2007. Memorable game. Tom Dom Cassisi kicking the uh, match winner in the last seconds. And uh, those two would go on a meet in the grand final about uh, six weeks later, where Geelong promptly won by a record margin. Um, they did, however, only lose to Geelong down at Geelong last year by two points, almost added to that tally. Now, Geelong at home, uh, no doubt this is the biggest home ground advantage in the league, but the Cats, since late last year, are actually two wins and three losses at Cadinia Park. Those losses were against GWS, Melbourne famously in the last home and away game, Max Gorn's after the siren shot, which gave the Demons top spot, and some would argue the flag. And uh, a few weeks ago against Fremantle. So uh, not playing as well on their own patch as we used to. Uh, how do you see this one? Well, um, this is a serious game for both teams. Ge- Geelong have slipped down to seventh with 20 points. 120% is very healthy. Um, they're four points in front of Port, who have a percentage of 108. So for Port, uh, have to win this game. Otherwise, Geelong slipped two games plus a decent percentage in front of them. So let's say Geelong can build up a three-game gap. So I'm really interested in these games that are coming up now where it's absolutely critical. When you were 0-5, every game is catch-up, and this is no different for Port Adelaide. Hopefully Tom Jonas can take his place and match up on... um, team up with Cleary and match up on Hawkins and um, Cameron because... I'm not sure if they want Alir Alir to play the lockdown defensive role. He can do it, but their preference, particularly on this ground, thin, narrow ground, if they can find the matchups for Hawkins and Cameron and release Alir Alir to the best capacity to own that position round 45-55 in the centre corridor, I give them a good chance. Their young legs, as you said, will worry Geelong. Rosie Butters, Dermasma, Powell Pepper. I got it right this week. First yeah, time in nine. I got it right. These young, energetic young players, uh, plus a young forward line in Marshall, Finlayson and Georgiatis. They have the ammunition, the youth and the vibrancy to worry this Geelong side. Yeah, that's that's a, a good point about the run uh, for two reasons. Uh, like you say, how Porter's turned this around, well, those forwards you mentioned, they've started to kick goals as a combination without Charlie Dixon. And early on when they were losing, we kept talking about the over-alliance midfield on Wines and Boak. Well, Bonner, Rosie, um, Dersma, et cetera, uh, and Pal Pepper, he's, he's been pivotal. Um, they have helped turn their season around. The thing about that is... I thought that Geelong St Kilda game was really interesting, and Geelong, uh, you know, hit the hit the game running hard. You know, they really tried to get that run going and, and went away from that sort of tempo 
footy. But I thought St Kilda ended up getting the better of them, perhaps as a result. And they're sort of caught betwixt and between here, the Cats, because that that slower moving, that slower ball movement style doesn't work against the best teams. But yet, yet if they attack a bit more, and I, I saw some stats today which show that by attacking more, um, they have opened them opened themselves up more defensively. Their defensive record this year is significantly down on what it usually is, and it got exposed by St Kilda. And I think Port perhaps via those younger players has a chance to exploit it as well. Uh, I thought Port handled the awkward Blunston. The the opposition wasn't much good. But I thought Port handled the awkward Blunston ground very well. Um, and I think they're in very good form. I, I, I can, oh, look, I'm not going for one of my traditional Shorey Super upsets. Upsets. <laughs> um, but I'm going to back Port Adelaide here and uh, oh. put Geelong into a little bit of a hole. Okay. And. Um, they were 25 points up against the Saints last week, got rolled over. Fremantle did them down there. And uh, if Port can bring a similar sort of application and strategy, I'm going for Geelong to be in a little bit of trouble. With Is that three losses in a row, Ryan? Yeah, it will be. Frio? No, no, they, they won. They beat GWS. Oh, yeah, okay. When, when was the Freo one? Uh, before the, that. The week before that, yeah. So three out of four. Yeah. Yeah. So give us a margin. So you're going for Port, give us a margin. Double figures, 11 points. All right. Uh, I'm staying with the Cats. I, I just, I'm not I'm not brave enough to tip against them at the Cattery, despite what I said about their recent form there. <laughs> uh, but I, I, think it, I think Port can really push them. So I'm going for the Cats to win that one by six points. All right, uh, 145, that game at the Cattery. There's another game going on at 145, uh, not just up the road, but not too far away, and that one's in Ballarat. 145pm Mars Stadium, Saturday afternoon, sees Western Bulldogs taking on Gold Coast. Uh, now you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to Palmer Bet. Remember to gamble responsibly. They have the doggies, pretty warm favourites, uh, $1.42 head-to-head. Gold Coast, uh, you can get $2.88 on the Suns, which I say it's an improvement on uh, what Gold Coast probably would have been paying for a game in Ballarat only last year. Um, overall, Gold Coast against the Bulldogs, uh, three wins, 11 losses. They have played twice previously at Mars Stadium, uh, only lost to the Doggies narrowly there a few years back. I think it was 2018. But they played there last year against GWS and had a, a really good win, a tough, gritty one-point win in the finish. So they have they have played there recently, which I think will help them. Uh, doggies, it's been a struggle for them this year. They're up and down. They're inconsistent. Uh, Gold Coast, well, they're coming off um, a really, really good win at home against Fremantle, that's probably one of the best wins in their history, to be honest, and uh, a week after beating Sydney in Sydney. So there, no doubt the Suns are on a on a high dig and many sort of chance here, Rob. Oh, I definitely give them a... I think the conditions will suit them. Uh, I'm predicting a little bit of rain and... Uh, um, uh, hang on, let me start again. Yes, I do. Uh, even the fact that 
the dogs have found some form. Remember, they got beaten here by Adelaide uh, a month or so ago. A couple of things in Gold Coast favour. An equally strong on-ball division. We know their numbers stack up. I'm expecting their numbers to stack up. Last week was outstanding efficiency, only 36 times inside 50. Chol and Casbolt will worry a smaller-type Western Bulldogs um, defence. They'll have to bring Norton Saw. He's not past the post yet, Rowan, so mm. they may have to bring in Shaq or Jamara Ulhagen, which is um, not great. They're not in ripping form. They could look at Crozier, Rourke, Smith, Janison to, to add considerable depth to their midfield, whereas the Gold Coast might get Jack Bowes back. He's a really good player, and he's played the last couple of games in the VFL. They're on equal points. The dogs have got a bit better percentage. Who's playing the better? The, the dogs were really sharp last week. They were brilliant. Um, but why can't this side that dominates possession, dominates inside 50, um, put a real stranglehold on the Western Bulldogs? Well, it's a great opportunity for the Suns to really sort of frank, uh, if you like, their improvement. Um, I think if they were to win this one after the win over Frio and beating Sydney and Sydney, you'd have to say they are definitely a better side this year. The Doggies, yeah, I thought that was um, pretty ominous by them, that win against Collingwood last week. The, the issue with them, though, has been week-to-week inconsistency to the point here's their record the last seven games. Win-loss, 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 win. What does that mean? Well, you know, you don't math. You don't have to be a great mathematician to work out that means. Uh, <laughs> if they follow that sequence, it's not going to augur well for them. Um, there is a little bit of concern about Aaron Norton, mm. who uh, did hurt his knee against the pie, so he's got to get through training. That would make a big difference if he wasn't able to line up. Um, thing about the doggies, if they can just hang on for another week or two, the cavalry is coming now. Tim English. Uh, probably be another week, but he's not far off. Uh, Jason Johannesson, um, yep. a chance to come back probably next week. But uh, there's a few of those types, even looking a bit further down the track. We're speaking about the forward line. Josh Bruce, five to six weeks maybe for him. So, you know, if they can just sort of eke out enough wins to stay in the hunt, uh, I think, man, you know, in terms of manpower, things are going to start looking a lot better for them. Look, I, I thought that, win over Collingwood was as, you know, the win over Sydney earlier in the year was pretty good too, but I thought that win over Collingwood, it, it looked a bit o- ominous to me. Jordan Sweet in the ruck, I thought um, he made a big difference for them. So when English comes back, be interesting to see. But hang on, uh, Ron. Yeah, the unsung hero of the ruck division, yeah. we all talk about Max Gorn and Grundy and these blokes. Jared Rich has been outstanding. Oh, he has. He, yeah, he, he has. Will, he will. It's funny you mention that, you know. I was asked today for ESPN, I was asked to name the AFL's most underappreciated <laughs> player. Yeah. And uh, I went with Jared Witts. Yeah, no, no, I couldn't agree more. No, he's an absolute. He's going to give him a big lift. Uh, good on the young fella for playing well last week, but uh, one of the form ruckmen in the competition. On to a strong on-ball division. I think the conditions... We saw Gold Coast handle the conditions. I'm assuming there's a bit of weather about and some wind. Um, I'm going for the Gold Coast. Wow. Continue their form. 
<laughs> um, nothing against the dogs. They're you, on a roll. You'll never die wondering with your tiffing, will you? I'm even more confident if Norton doesn't come up. Yeah. yeah but, no, I can't, but I can't pick on what ifs or maybes. Yeah. So I'm going to assume he's out. And um, <laughs> what did I just say? And pick the Gold Coast. Uh, margin, in, in, margin. Um, yeah, I, I'm 12 points. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Mr. Conservative with the tipping. I'm, I'm staying with the doggies. Uh, their record uh, in Mars, <laughs> at Mars, on Mars, um, is pretty handy. Uh, and uh, no disrespect to Gold Coast, but I think the Bulldogs might start to move into a bit of a higher gear now. I don't, I don't think – I think this will be a grind. I think, it. Uh, yeah, like you're saying, you expect it to be windy, maybe a bit wet, you know, a bit of a slog. So I think it'll be hard work, but I think they're good enough to get the job done. I'm going to go for the Bulldogs by 18 points in that one. So they have a two Saturday afternoon games. Uh, there's a twilight game going on at Marvel Stadium. Twilight on Saturday, 4.35 to be specific at Marvel Stadium, which sees North Melbourne taking on Melbourne. Uh, we've said this about a sequence of games the last few weeks. This could get ugly. Well, God knows what might happen in this. What do Palmer vets say about this one? Well, you can get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. They'll say that. Remember to gamble responsibly. Tell you what, you won't be loading up on the favourite here because uh, you're not going to make much of a killing. Listen to these odds. Melbourne uh, paying for this game head-to-head -head, $1.01. North Melbourne for this game. Paying $21. Oh. So, I've got to say, I'm sure there's, I'm sure someone can correct me here, but that's as long a price as I can ever remember on uh, for any team in a, a two, you, you, two horse race. Oh, you said that last week with at 15 or 16. Exactly. The West Coast. Exactly. That so was 14. They, the, Palmer bet, the odds bookies rate the North Melbourne team a worse team than the West Coast Eagles even the fact that West Coast Eagles were at home. Is that made the difference $6, $6 did it? Well, that says a lot. That's a, that's a good observation. Uh, just some history here on these two and, and the venue. Uh, North Melbourne won 17 games in a row against Melbourne over a 10, 11 season period, 2007 to 2017. Wow. The Demons have turned that around, though. They've won three of the last four. Now, Melbourne at Marvel Stadium were tragic. In fact, they lost 22 games in a row at Marvel Stadium from 2008 to 2015. But since then, they've won 10 of the last 13 there. They have now won Melbourne 16 games in a row. The last seven of uh, 2021, and of course, including grand final, and the first nine this year. North Melbourne which uh, once called Docklands a pretty handy home ground advantage, have lost 13 of their last 15 games at Marvel Stadium. North have lost seven games in a row now this season. And again, you can't escape it. Uh, it's worth reading out the margins in those games. 69, 78, 50, 60, 68, 11 and 108. They have been bordering on uncompetitive what on earth might happen in this one, Rob? Uh, it'll depend on Melbourne, the way they said. They've already got Harms out with the hamstring and young Chandler suspended. But, you know, their backup, young Bedford, that's been 
a regular uh, medical sub. He, he could come into the side. The very experienced and, you know, unlucky to get injured last year. Tomlinson uh, is available. Dunstan, whenever a Viney's out or someone like that, he'll come out and do a job for them. Um, they've got Melstrom on their books. They can come. So their replacements, if they do want to rotate or manage, I, I thought they would have done it last week on the travel, Rowan, mm. and then bring him in and have a real absolute red-hot crack on Melbourne. But if they're going to do it, it might be following the um, the, the travel. Um, Just quickly, too, Christian Salem, probably only about a week away from returning for the Demons as well. Yeah, well, he'll have one or two weeks in the VFL. North get a little bit... Uh, they get uh, the ever-reliable Simpkin back. Uh, Horn Francis will be back into the side. Um, Hugh Greenwood you know, as well, I think. Well... I don't know about Hugh Greenwood. You know, it was it was a noble scoop, wasn't it, that he he knew the rules and he made a big song and dance with it. I, I'm I'm not sure that Greenwood has has been great, been okay, mm. but at least he had some strength and some body size and oh, some experience. 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 So, yeah. um, in that way, he's been a reasonable contributor. Um, Goldstein and Gorn, that's what I want to see. Um, he has to go with Goldstein against Gorn. He can't experiment in that area. Davis, Uniaki, Thomas, they've got to have big games. Look, you just can't see it. Even if they do break through in the midfield, they're kicking the ball into Stephen May and Jake Lever. Um, that, that'll be Larky's okay, but they're going to cut him off at the pass. Um, I'm not sure if Mackay, sorry, question without notice. Was Mackay? Uh, still, uh, knee, knee, and still a week away. Yeah, well, that's going to be a problem with Brown. Yeah. Wiedemann kicked six or seven in the reserves. Tom McDonald kicked four last week, I believe. Uh, was it four? I think it was. And, um, they're going, and Jackson and Gorn resting in the forward pocket. It, it, it will be a dry track. There's no doubt about that. So Melbourne's height... It's going to be a real problem. Be interesting to see. You know, you sort of feel like the Demons, with the exception of one or two games, have really played within themselves. And they've played burst footy too, haven't they? And they sort of did that to West Coast as well. I wonder if they might do that again in this game, sort of put the foot to the floor, get a healthy lead, and then just sort of coast towards the end of the game. Good way to sort of pace yourself towards the more important battles ahead at the end of the season. So Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I got it wrong last week. I thought they might have rested going over there. But do they rest coming back? Or do they say, um, no, we don't do that at the Melbourne Football Club. You earn your game. You're ready to play. If you fit, you play. Uh, the Max Gorn one was a great case. Doubt during the week. Went into scans. No, I'm right. Like, 80% of us, Rowan, would say, no, leave the big fella at home, yeah. for goodness sake. But no, pushed him out. So I like that. Excuse me. I like the attitude. And I think if they continue that attitude, uh, they will beat North Melbourne by that now very common margin, Rowan, that we've used a lot this year, 75 points. Okay. Um, yeah, well, they're hungry, aren't they? I think it is a good sign. You know, they've got... and, and the other thing about uh, uh, Noble's game plan, and I say it every, it is neither attack nor defence. So they get caught 
um, either or Rowan. And, uh, and and if if they get caught with no defence, these blokes are going to slice them. Yeah, and, and it's going to get really ugly. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be ugly. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm going in the seventies. I'm going Melbourne by seventy two points. Uh, that is the twilight game. Two games on the Saturday evening. Uh, the first of those is in uh, actually not the first of those, but it's the first in the order, official game order, which uh, head to Adelaide. Saturday evening, Adelaide Oval uh, is the 7.30 is the kickoff Eastern time, that is, 7 o'clock Adelaide time for the Crows up against St Kilda. Palmerbet are saying the Saints are a favourite, uh, $1.36 head-to-head. The Crows, even at home, $3.18. And uh, always remember, you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Remember to gamble responsibly. Well, the Crows, uh, pretty good record against the Saints. In fact, uh, they have won 11 of the last 12 meetings against the Saints. And the other historical um, stat working against the Saints here is their record at Adelaide Oval, which is poor. They have won just two of their 13 games there thus far. That said, um, they got back on track last week with a terrific win against Geelong. Um, you know, we talked about Geelong, but it's not often. You've got to be a pretty good side to overtake a Geelong side that's got the best part of four goals up on you, which is mm. how it was last week. Great second half from a Saints. It'll give them a lot of confidence. Uh, hence those odds. The big minus there, Rob, in terms of personnel, is the loss of skipper Jack Steele, who's going to miss at least the next six weeks after having shoulder surgery, after getting injured against the Cats. Jack Higgins out too after a concussion. Um, Dan Butler, some chance to return, which would be a good replacement for Jack Higgins. To the Crows, uh, Lockie Murphy expected to return uh, after having some neck soreness. Uh, Riley Philthorpe ready to go. Gee, that's a hard name to say. Ready to go again after a knee complaint. So I haven't got too many injuries, the Crows. Uh, but not going as well as they were. Do you think the venue means much in this one? I do, I do, and I'm tempted to uh, go with my erratic tipping for tonight, and I'll tell you, steals a big out to me. Um, uh, some of the Laird, um, Dawson, Brody Smith, they're, they're in pretty good touch, these blokes. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't want to give them a sniff. Higgins... Um, Hasn't been in the great form after a great start, but he's out with concussion. Um, but can they hold King, Membry, uh, Marshall out of the pocket and Ryder? That's a big question. I'm glad they got Jordan Butts back into the side for fullback. Um, so that, that stiffens that end of the ground up because they're going to have to do a really good job on those big four. I think their running capacity, if they take the game on, um, can well. Saints are a good running side, but what I'm saying is, you think of Adelaide, how they're going to win it? Quick ball movement. Uh, Walker has a big game. The two kids, um, Gallant and Himmelberg, have been down, putting a greater emphasis on Taylor Walker and Joshua Shelley has gone quiet too. He's gone off the ball. So really, if you're looking at both ends of the ground, 
um, St Kilda, if they get an even even break with the possession and inside 50s, should on face value have the forward line to kick a winning game. Yeah, I... Score, sorry. I think so. I think the um, the worrying thing about the Crows probably as well is the extent of those last three defeats. So they've lost three in a row now. The first of them, uh, that was shocking against GWS. That was 10 goals. They lost by eight goals against Carlton and six goals against Brisbane. Now you're talking about the last two, pretty well-performed sides, but yeah, they're, they're pretty solid defeats. And I just see that starting to eat away at the confidence yeah. of some of the younger members of that side. Uh, alternately, I, I think that, um, look, I, I think that that stands to be a real defining win last week by the Saints. Uh, you know, Geelong's a side they've really struggled with. They've been too experienced, too strong for them. And they came back from a four-goal deficit um, to run over the top of them. And I, I think they'll get enormous confidence from that. Gee, Paddy Ryder, for a guy of his age, he's so oh. important to them, isn't he? He was terrific in that um, in that comeback in the second half last week. So I, I think they go into this on a real high. I think a win on the road, albeit against Adelaide, who aren't a great side. But I just think those sort of road wins at venues you haven't been successful at historically – can really help you put together some momentum. And if they were able to add to that win against Geelong with a good win on the road here, it could really set them up for what would then be a very likely uh, tilt at finals for a second time in three years. So it's all set up for them to really prove their worth again here, the Saints. And I, I think they're good enough to do it. I'm going for them to win this one, not by a heap. Uh, I'll go for them to win it by 16 points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think they're. Um, this is a danger game, a legitimate danger game. They were terrific last week. Uh, I don't like steel out at all. Um, I'm I'm not comfortable with that. Um, that they, they, they haven't got the deepest midfield, um, but I think they're going to maximise their opportunities up board, and they're gonna they're gonna fall in. I think they're gonna fall in by um, nine points. Nine points. Okay, yeah. so we're both going for the Saints, not by a lot, though. Okay, yeah. well, that's going on in Adelaide. And at the same time, in Melbourne, one of the showpiece games of the AFL season, it is the Dreamtime game. The Dreamtime game between Richmond and Essendon been a fixture of the AFL calendar, this one, since 2007. Always a great occasion. Of course, the last couple of years hasn't been in Melbourne because of COVID. It was in Perth last year and Darwin the year before. So good to have it back at the G. Uh, but the uh, fortunes of these two sides at opposite ends of the spectrum at the moment, Palmerbet, they offer you tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. They have a Tigers, pretty warm favourites, $1.27 head-to-head. Essendon paying $3.81, um, which might even be a bit short if you're looking at Essendon's record against Richmond, Rob, because... Last time Essendon beat Richmond, 2014. They have lost 11 games in a row to the Tigers, most of them very, very comfortably. Uh, What do you say about this one? Well, the Tigers have won three games in a row for the first time in a while and building momentum. They've got star players coming back. Uh, Noah Bolter, having said that, uh, has a hamstring issue, so he won't be playing. 
but good enough to be able to rest Robbie Tarrant this week or last week. That is how well their depth is going. Not so for the Bombers. Now, you can't, uh, we can talk about form, but we're going to talk about injuries as well. Nick Cox, who had been struggling, but uh, he injured his right foot in a VFL practice game over the weekend, probably going to miss the rest of the season. Jai Corwell, uh, gutsy performance from him uh, running with the flight, or sorry, being uh, smashed into while taking a gutsy mark last week. Hurt his AC joint. Uh, hasn't yet been ruled out, but you think perhaps doubtful. But Essendon uh, can't afford to have the sorts of players they've got out at the moment. We're, who are we talking about? Well, Harry Jones hasn't played. Kyle Langford injured in the first 10 seconds. He's still of the season, still a couple of weeks away. Will Snelling, calf injury, still a couple of weeks away. James Stewart, calf injury, test. Stringer, still a couple of weeks away. Uh, look, even if they were playing better footy than they are and weren't the dispirited rabble they are, personnel would be an issue. You just can't logically argue a case for them to win this game. No, they can't. And the interesting thing that um, one, one of the matchups I was originally looking forward to was Bolter versus Wright. They finally decided to settle Bolter down there, but he won't be there for a hamstring. Now, they've got a choice here, Ron. They've got young Gibbses, Gibkus, who um, was rested, I think. was uh, health, and, health and safety. Probably. Oh, yeah. Okay. And they've got the ageing veteran, Tarrant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they've got Grimes back into the side and Vloston back into the side. So they've got aerial support and um, intercept marking. So I'm not sure how they're going to go there. Uh, obviously, Wright's a better player um, uh, under the roof where he's, he's one grab marking and his goal kicking in, in pristine conditions is excellent. I'm not so sure about him at night in this game. Uh, with the pressure, maybe a little bit of weather around. But it'll be interesting. That's going to be who do they play on him. Um, you you mentioned your two favourite players or one favourite player. But to get work into Lambert and to get into Martin, to get Precious hamstring fixed up and Vloston, there's four sides that have, four players that have come into the side in the last um, three or four weeks or so. It, you 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 spot on, Ron. They're developing momentum. They're mm. building. They're lifting. They'll miss Bolter. I like Pickett on a wing. I think he's a terrific player. What 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 a recruit he's been for them. You, you know the other guy who's been important for them recently is Morris Rioli. Just that tackling forward pressure. And 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 Daniel on the halfback flank uh, and short into the middle. I think they'll have too much run and too much spread and too much work rate for Essendon. Um, and, and then you go and, and keep going. Uh, well, what's the consequence of that? They get decent delivery, first share of the ball, decent quick delivery forward to a couple of key forwards in Tom Lynch and Jack Rewald, who are both on their game. Uh, Lynch has kicked, what, 17 in the last three weeks. Rewald's been a very good foil for him. Um, Essendon's defence is struggling enough under the weight of forward entries, how are they going to go with uh, Winch and Rewalt? Well, that's what I'm saying. You, you know, you, you're right. A weight of entries and weight of numbers and weight of unpressurised. Look, um, what was that phrase you used, Ron? 
I don't know. The conditional. Oh, a conditional Essen, effort. Yeah. Essendon will come out with a huge effort. They will tackle, they will chase, they will run, they will pressure. But it's all conditional, Rowan. Yeah. Conditional on the reaction that they have received and their captain and their club this week. Well, so maybe, we'll, maybe we'll, they'll be maybe they'll be doing it to celebrate Xavier Campbell's two year extension, Rob. Yeah, good. <laughs> Sorry. Mate, you've distracted me. <laughs> Sorry. Um Martin back in that side. Look, he, he's only spending half the time on the ball, if that Rowan. So you know not only Jock got Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch. Um, I reckon Martin will get them. Mm. Yeah, you yeah. Know, what, what's what's the match up there? Kelly, you know, jury's out on Kelly. What's he been his role? Um, Laverde, Ridley, diligent, uh, young Reed, um, a real project player that I like and hope he stays in the side. But where's the matchups and the balance for that half back line? And um, it's still pretty. It's still pretty raw, isn't he? Like I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, again, an indication of where Essendon's at. People talking about, oh, Zach Reed. Yeah, well, he hasn't done anything yet, you know? So it's a it's a big ask for him. Look, I think it's pretty obvious who we're both tipping. Uh, I think Richmond, look, Richmond are good at sort of, yeah, they don't get a lot of huge wins. They get a lot of really mm. comfortable wins. I reckon I'm going for Richmond by 36 points. Well, good on you. I'm, I'm going for regulation, 28 28. A little an effort from Essendon, yeah. some competitiveness, yeah. and um, not, not, Richmond not not under the I oh, just did enough to win, yeah. but just regulation, you well, know. Well, yeah, let's hope it's an honourable loss and that uh, Xavier Campbell and Paul Brasher are in the race to pat him on the back afterwards, eh, Rob? Uh, let's move on. <laughs> First game on Sunday is at two ten p.m. It's about an hour later than usual. Giant Stadium, and it says GWS taking on West Coast. GWS, of course, being coached for the first time by Mark McVeigh. Maybe he can come and coach Essendon at some stage, Rob. He's uh, standing coach the rest of his season after Leon Cameron's resignation. Uh, good one to start with because West Coast, they are in a world of pain. Palmerbet, what are they saying about this? Well, they say you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, and that is true. You can. Always remember to gamble responsibly. JWS, very warm favourite, $1.10 head-to-head. West Coast, not as long as you might think, given that they have lost, uh, what is it, five games in a row, $7.10, the Eagles head-to-head. West Coast are 9-4 against the Giants over the history of the, uh, well, of the Giants. West Coast history is a bit longer. And at Giant Stadium, they are three and three. But uh, it's all got pear shaped for the Eagles this year. They have lost five in a row now. And again, like North Melbourne, those margins are telling. They are the last five games 74 points, 75 points, 109 points, 84 points, 63 points. Five losses. And the narrowest defeat of those five is 63 points. That is telling as is their injury list. Now, we seem to do this every week. How many people on it this week? 13. Uh, They're being cautious with Luke Shuey, who has trained this week, but won't be coming back from his hamstring for at least another week. Elliot Yo trained this week after recovering from concussion before entering health and safety protocols. 
Oscar Allen uh, to be confirmed. His foot injury, you begin to doubt you will see him at all. Zach Langdon still another six weeks away. Nat Nui probably won't see him again. Or they're saying seven weeks. Why would you bother? Willie Rioli, bad hamstring. Who knows? Dom Sheed's still a month away. It's just a tale of woe, like indeed 2022 has been in its totality. Uh, not a great season for GWS either. They, as a finalist the last year, in a world of pain, fourth bottom on the ladder with just the two wins, but uh, obviously at very short odds to make that three this week against the Eagles, Rob. And the other thing, the other connection is that um, he's gone and sought his great mate, Dean Solomon, to um, fill the position created in the in the coach's box. I'm not sure how that works. Dean's very happy on the on the on the North New South Wales coast uh, with a family business. So I'm not sure how that would work. Um, the first thing I'll be looking at is uh, changes. Who does Mark McVeigh want in his side? That's mm. always a telltale sign. It doesn't mean who he likes or doesn't like, but who he wants in his side. Um, and the other thing, as we've spoken about, it's a, he's only got two or three training sessions, but can McVeigh inject some run and spread and switch into this side instead of this monotonous up and down the line sort of slow football? That would be his first thing. And one of the things that I would consider to help him do that is the way he sets up his forward line. Um, he gets Hogan back. So can Hogan, Himmelberg and Riccardi play in the same forward line? I think they can. And that gives them those three plus um, Toby Green. That's a very offensive um, forward line, but it needs quick movement. I think we will see, obviously going to see GWS have a good win and Mark McVeigh going to get off the mark. Um, nothing against the West Coast Eagles. It is what it is. They've got Hearn, Gaff and Shuey. They're monitoring. Kennedy was a late withdrawal. You've gone through it. You know, they've lost Ryan suspended. The list keeps going. I, so thought, what, I thought their effort was better last week at worst. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not wiping them off in my summary, but I'm very, very... I'll watch this game with great interest to see if we can see a difference, even in the short period of time. And as I said, I'd load up the forward line. I'd really stretch the West Coast Eagles. I'd have, I wouldn't have Toby Green as a, as a key, if that makes sense. I'd have the three tools and I'd try and inject some run and pace and give them that proverbial license to, to run. I think that's a really good point. You know, I think you see that a bit, don't you? A, a new coach or a stand filling coach comes in and they just free things up a bit. It's like a pressure valve is released. And so how do you maximise that? You free up the way they play their game too. Uh, it's going to help. They've got a couple of uh, decent small forwards on the horizon returning too. Uh, who am I talking about there? I'm talking about Brent Daniels and uh, who's the other one? Zach Langdon. No. He plays for West Coast. What am I talking about? Brent Daniels. Yeah. Daniel Lloyd is the other one. Yep. So McVeigh will have them at his disposal within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, look, they win. I think uh, they go out and they have a bit of fun. Uh, look, the Eagles' effort was better last week, but it's symptomatic of sort of where they're at, that where, you know, they did get a few pats on the back about that effort. 
uh, a side that <laughs> lost by 74 points. So um, they're not going to win. Can no. they stem the bleeding? Oh, look, I think GWS wins pretty comfortably. I'm going for the Giants by 40 points. What are you reckon? Yeah, 45 points. And um, and they they have a half a fingernail. They've tacked on with half a fingernail to the final eight, which is still, what, where are we, Ron? Round? We're round 10. They're not going to be playing finals. Aren't they? 13. Yeah. What if they won 13 in a row? Under the McVay spell. <laughs> They're 15th of the ladder and they're two and seven. They're already three games outside the eight. They're not and gonna percentage. be fine. they're not gonna be fine finals. So I can't even give them half a fingernail, chance. No, you can't. Uh GW okay, GWS by forty-five points. Okay. Forty points for me. All right. Uh that's the first game on Sunday. The next one on the card is down in Launceston. 3.20 Sunday afternoon at, is it UTAS or UTAS Stadium, Rob? Or don't you go for corporate stadium names? York Park. York Park, yeah. Well, I know that because AFL Tables always refers to the grounds by their do they really? indigenous yeah. names. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, University of Tasmania, UTAS. UTAS, okay. It's, it's a, a great sponsorship, um, but a dodgy name. All York right. Park. Uh, your park will go to, to us traditionalists. Okay, three twenty p.m. Go. Hawthorne playing Brisbane Palmer Bet, where you get tackle busting benefits this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. Not surprisingly, have Brisbane a pretty warm favourite head to head. The Lions paying a dollar twenty eight. Hawthorne even at their adopted home paying three dollars seventy two. Now, this was an interesting game last year where Hawthorne upset the Lions. Uh, the Lions just set them back on their heels a bit. This one uh, won a pretty gritty sort of victory. And, in fact, they won their last two meetings with Brisbane. There was that one by 12 points and round one uh, MCG, and a vacant MCG. Of course, that was the start of the COVID uh, goings-on, and Hawthorne won that one as well. But they come up against the Brisbane in pretty ominous form. They're looking better and better by the week. Brisbane, Eric Hipwood now back in the mix. They've won five in a row. In fact, their one loss all season was at Geelong, to Geelong, obviously, by 10 points. So they're setting themselves up for a decent crack. Um, Danaher is making good progress with his shoulder injury. May only be a couple of weeks away. And uh, McStay, two to three weeks away after his ankle injury, but of course, wonderful timing in the return of Eric Hipwood, who just did enough in that return to suggest that he could be back on song and a pretty effective force for them up forward pretty quickly. The Hawks, well, um, yeah, no, things not going that great for the Hawks, uh, comfortably beaten by, well, not comfortably beaten, they did push Richmond, uh, lost to Essendon the week before, but a really bad out for them. Jack Gunston is yeah. set to miss a reasonable stint on the sidelines after a uh, medial strain of his right ankle. Tom Mitchell, who was managed out last week, he'll return. Uh, Jath is a chance to return for this game. He's missed a month with a hamstring. Uh, who else? Young Gun uh, Ward, Josh Ward. He was concussed in the VFL, so no chance of him coming back this week. But uh, personnel-wise, a couple of blows there and uh, just confidence. Uh, it was an improved effort against the Tigers, certainly better 
than they were against Essendon. But um, the wins-loss situation isn't looking that great for the Hawks. And they're up against what I think at the moment is clearly the competition's second-best team. They, um, they're going to miss Gunston because uh, Hipwood gets another game. Um, the, not unusual, but the it was a great effort. Without all those forwards last week, the line still kicked 100 points. Right. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, it's fantastic. Um, they won't make any changes, I think. I think they'd be keen to get Mitch Robinson back into the side. But last week, there were, the VFL team had a bye. So they'll run out the same team, whereas uh, the Hawks have to make some adjustments, starting with Gunston, whether they give young Jackson Callow, who's a very good marker for football, um, former Tasmanian boy. So I'll pump him up. Hope he gets another go in there. I think with this midfield, they, they'll obviously bring back Mitchell, but also think they have to bring back Liam Shields uh, to add some experience there, maybe a bit of run with. But the interesting thing will be Tom Mitchell. This is one of the most mobile, quickest, uh, most diverse midfields in the competition. Essendon exposed Tom Mitchell for pace and outside run. He couldn't go in that last quarter. So if Essendon are going to go and do it for you, this is an enormous challenge for Mitchell to come into that side and hold his own against this, this multi-pronged midfield which starts with Zorko on a half-back flank, moves through to McCluggage on a wing, then into the midfield um, with Lockie Neal. So um, that's a good point. There's a watch on Tom Mitchell. That that is a good point about Brisbane. Their their midfield, uh, their midfield group doesn't just play midfield, does it? You know, they've they've got guys like Zorko who effectively play midfield role, but stationed off a half-back flank. Um, The half-back flankers are now Daniel Rich. And Zane Zor- Dane Zorko. Their defence is more dynamic than it was as a result, isn't it? And I think up the other end, and we keep talking about this, but their potency. I mean, 10 individual goal kickers last week in that 16-goal 100-point tally. 10 individual Ten. goal kickers oh, and not a key position forward among them. Four to Cameron, three to Bailey, two to Zorko, the halfback flanker, and singles the rest. Um, oh, McInerney, the one key position, genuine key position player who kicked a goal. So they've got goal kickers everywhere. They've got a mobile attacking defence. They've got a varied, um, as you say, a variety of types in the midfield. And Hawthorne, well, you know, they did start the season well, but, boy, they've come back to the fold, haven't they? I think, actually, I just looked at this before, I think they've now lost six of their last seven games. Uh, None of them, no, a couple of them by a heap. Look, the, the loss to Richmond I didn't think was too bad, but um, pretty hard to argue a case for them against Brisbane. Launceston, yeah, well, I guess Brisbane might not fancy playing down there as much as they play fancy somewhere else, but they're still good enough to win this one reasonably comfortably, I think, given the form they're in. I'm going to go for Brisbane to win this one by, let's go with 32 points. Yeah, I think they're going to... Um... I hope I hope Hawthorne bring um, can get Jeth back into the side at halfback. They're going to need some additional pace. Um, the the improved form or the continued improve, improving form of Jai Newcomb, but he's going to be tested too. It, it's an interesting and O'Meara. It's an interesting uh, balance of 
of midfield, Rowan. Mm. You've got Mitchell, strong in close, and Newcomb strong and tough in close, and O'Meara. So um, I don't think it's an, an ideal midfield to be taking on the form of Brisbane, um, but I think it's going to be um, an awkward game for Brisbane Lions, and I've got them winning by 17 points. 17 points. All right. Uh, final game of round 10, uh, not for the first time, is a game in Perth. The final game of round 10 is in Perth at Optus Stadium, 5.20pm Eastern Standard Time. It is between Fremantle and Collingwood. Palmerbet offer you tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, they have the Dockers, despite that reversal last week against Gold Coast. Uh, comfortable favourites head-to-head against the Pies. You can get $1.24 on the Dockers. Collingwood, $4.10. Fremantle have won their last three against Collingwood. Uh, and the Pies, uh, after showing some early promise, come back to the fold, it's fair to say. They've lost five of their last seven games now. And the two wins were against Essendon, so what? And Gold Coast, when Gold Coast weren't in the form they have been in recent weeks. Uh, Collingwood at Optus Stadium in Perth, they have a 4-4 record. Have won a final there, of course, memorably against uh, West Coast in 2020 and lost narrowly in another final in 2018. Uh, the Dockers injury list uh, getting a further boost this week. Sam Swipkowski comes out of concussion protocols. Michael Walters comes out of health and safety protocols. Uh, the Pies, uh, well, their depleted backline has been hit again. Jack Madgen will be out for a while after dislocating a shoulder. Uh, Jamie Elliott, in better news, could be back. Boy, have they missed him up forward. Jordan Ruffhead, though, again, talking about the defence, uh, still missing after having had finger surgery. Uh, Scott Pendlebury and Jack Ginevan uh, both missed the game against the Bulldogs and uh, pretty reasonable absentees. Both have trained this week and will return. So uh, manpower-wise, Collingwood looking a bit better, but Freo at home and a chasing Freo after that loss to the Suns last week. You'd reckon they're going to get the job done here, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I think that I'll really like. There's there's one other in, and I I put a note and I can't find it, Rowan. So sorry to – I know Sarkowski, Walters. Oh, there's one other. Look, I can't hold up the discussion. Um but they're, they're terrific in. Mobile, quick, up forward, goal kickers. Um, they're not going to panic. They'll make minimal changes, and I think they'll return to form. Penderbury and Ginnivan are going to be so important. If he's 100%, I think they'll rush Elliott straight back in. They've had enormous uh, issues with goal power. Um, watching on um, the news last night, Rowan, um, some issues with... A little bit of illness going through Collingwood. I'm not sure that side bottom trains. So um, they could be in a little bit of strife there. Like Fremantle third, Pies are 11th. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Collingwood in the eight and mm. looking okay. That's how quickly it can change. And uh, you, you'd think other... you'd think wouldn't just quickly you'd think wouldn't you that uh, Freo have been able to very successfully stifle opponents' ball movement. Collingwood has tried very hard to become a, a quicker ball and more central 
ball movement team, that could run into a big hurdle with the way Frio defend. And it, it could run into a lot of trouble. Um, Collingwood will, will, it looks like they'll have another look at Mason Cox, given their, uh, they need assistance for Brody Myercheck. He seems to be one tall. Uh, Cameron can kick the odd goal, but it looks like they'll go back to Cox in uh, a tandem tall partnership with Brody Myercheck. Not sure. You know, they're going down that path again. I hope it works and I hope um, uh, Cox is a good player for them. But um, it hasn't worked in any way, shape or form this year. Cox has been dropped, I think, a couple of times. I can't see them uh, breaking through Fremantle. It's jolted Fremantle. Um, I wasn't surprised they lost, but I just thought they were due. The old-fashioned due for a loss, maybe didn't come to play, all these cliches, Rowan. And um, I, I get the feeling that a settled Fremantle back home, chastened, as you said, I, I think this can, uh, I can think this can push out to eight goals. Really? Okay. Yeah, I do. That's I do. Yeah, particularly uh, if, we, if we see um, the Fremantle that played against Essendon, the Fremantle that played against Geelong, such a a wonderfully talented team uh, in defence and attack. So if they get it right, um, that's only a couple of goals a quarter. I can see them really stretching this and having a terrific win. Yeah, I was going to say, they're not a, a, a high-scoring team, but they're sort of better than they were. I mean, having a look at it now, they've had three 100 points plus tallies this year and another one of 97. Um, just the four goals last week, but in, in really difficult conditions. So... Uh, they're scoring more freely, and that was always a missing part of the equation. Now, I'm uh, a bit worried about the Pies. I thought that, um, you know, they got jumped by the Bulldogs last week, never were a chance really at any stage. And uh, you can see sort of the air going out of their – I got caught between saying the air going out of their tyres or the wind going out of their sails and nearly got those two oh, metaphors mixed up. Well, I don't know. What happens? Can you get the wind out of your tyres and the air out of your sails? I guess you can. Anyway, let's not worry about that. I think the bottom line here is Fremantle will win. I think they'll win in terms of uh, the, the key stats and the balance of play pretty comfortably. Might not be reflected on the scoreboard. I'm going to be more conservative with my margin. In fact, I'm going for half yours. If you're saying Fremantle 48 points, I'm saying Fremantle 24 points. And Good on uh, you, Rowan. my rudimentary grasp of maths uh, enables me to, even me, to work out that 24 is half of 48. And that is it for Well, that's been a big 10. night. You've started off on a, an ultimate high, or could it be termed a low? And you've uh, you've tapered off dramatically. Well, we... Oh. You're, 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 you're flat. You're, you're um, flat... You're bordering on flat, combination of flat, angry, uh, shocked, mesmerised, staggered, and dumbfounded, and That's, all of the above. That'll, you, that sums you, up you. You've got a thesaurus in front of you, clearly. Uh, we aren't done yet, though, because I've still oh. got to do the plugs. And well uh, we cannot do this podcast without saying a very big thank you to our wonderful official partners, Palmerbet where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly, but we're very appreciative of their support. We're very appreciative of your support too. 
our loyal audience. And uh, you can continue to reflect that at the supporter page via Acast on whatever platform you listen to the Footyology podcast or become an official Footyology patron. And the links to Patreon, a wonderful platform supporting independent media and publishing. Uh, They are all over the Footyology website, footyology.com.au. We are asking for just $7 Australian per month to help keep this whole operation and indeed uh, help keep this podcast going, which would be a wonderful thing because we enjoy doing it. We enjoy uh, going through the games, both preview and review, and we enjoy occasionally venting our spleen. And it's fair to say I've certainly done that the last couple of episodes. I think you've done it again uh, in a far more measured way, Rob. So uh, I thank you. I just sent you through a, a profound text that I thought you might have a bit of a smile at as we uh, close the show. Yes, well, I'll just read it out. It comes from Albert Thurgood, Essendon Great, who somehow is still around at uh, about 200 years of age. And on Twitter, he said, there's currently more Essendon heart and soul on the GWS coaching panel than there is at Tullamarine. And it's good night uh, from him. uh, Good night from us. Pretty hard to argue with that one. Uh, Thanks, Rob. We'll speak to you again for the Round 10 review on Sunday evening. We'll catch you then.